What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Mintz. And I'm Jordan Schusterman. And we are the hosts of Baseball Barbacast. And we are so excited to be back recording a podcast together Monday, Wednesday, Friday, for the 2024 Major League Baseball season. I am so excited for this year, Jake. Yeah, we are here with Yahoo Sports. Our time off of podcasting has weighed on me heavy. I've been delivering baseball takes to inanimate objects. So I'm rearing to get back to talking ball with my buddy. So join us on Baseball Barbercast. We're going to have a good time. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hi, you've reached the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. It's Liz. And Matt. And today we spend an inordinate amount of time talking about Christmas cookies. Hey, what do you want us to talk about? The fact that Dalvin Cook is re-injured? Now, what are you going to do with him and Alexander Madison? We've been telling you to stash him for weeks. Plus, Marlon Mack and Carrion Johnson may be returning to action during your fantasy playoffs. But should you care? Let me tell you what I don't care about, Liz. Eli Manning takes his last ride. Don't say last. One more ride, baby. And we give our one thought for every game in week 14. So listen up. Bye. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, Liz here with Matt, but we are like virtually here. Not well. I mean, we're virtually. We're like alive. So well, that's working. Speak for yourself. <laughs> we are not in the same location. So, y'all, if this is your first, if you were deciding to tune in to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Con- Podcast in Week 14 for your first time, and you're going to review the audio now, get out of here. It's not. It's not a possibility. It might not be great. Brett is already sweating bullets. Let's just get you past the first round of the fantasy playoffs. Agreed, Matt? I 100% agree. Okay, cool. Um, so, Matt, first of all, are you in any playoff races here? I'm in a few. Uh, I'm in a few. Uh, one that I was really interested in making did not make it uh, due to uh, the fact that I left Jonathan Williams in my lineup last week. So I lost by a mm. handful of points. But, you know, it is what it is. That's my own fault because I probably should have probably shouldn't use that flex spot on Bo Scarborough going into Thanksgiving. But uh, I was for, I forgot to move him to running back. Eh, no one cares. But, yeah, so I'm in a few. How about you? Cool. Uh, yeah, so I did not make it in – on in the league that we're in together, the Wavos League <laughs> did not happen for me. Been de- I've but, been dead in the frickin' water in that one <laughs> for a hundred years. I think I finished like eighth. So really, I was like, oh, maybe I can do it, uh, but I could not. Um, and I am most proud of my dynasty league. Frankly, I'm in second place, so I earned myself a buy, which felt really good. And that was a dynasty league um, that I inherited mm. years ago with Matt Sh- Matt Hasselback as my quarterback. So I feel like <laughs> oh I've done God. some work. Matt yeah. Hasselback. Wow, that is mm-hmm. that's a that's a throwback. Matt Hasselback, like Seattle Seahawks, Matt Hasselback, or or finishing the line with the Titans, Matt Hasselback. No, like a Seattle Seahawks. Okay. Okay. That makes but it even more But I don't more think he was on the Seahawks even at the time. Like, he was probably playing for the Titans, but he was still – it was an orphan league, and I just resurrected it. it beautifully. And I'm very proud of where it has grown to today. Also, not fantasy football related, but just an FYI, y'all, we are recording on Wednesday, and it is National Cookie Day. That's – 
practice. That's better than Christmas for me. I love cookies. They are my favorite food. Matt, what's your favorite cookie? That's a great question. If we're talking like standard cookie back in back in my heyday, uh, which, as you know, was quite glorious. Uh, I was a big Oreo fan, but now oh. I now I only really oh. consume Oreos. Like, I, I can't say the last time I actually ate just a straight up Oreo, but like Oreos and ice cream, Oreos and milkshake. That is a regression moment for me. Um, but in general, I I can't can't go wrong with just like a big fat ass like chocolate, chocolate chip, chip with yes. the, with a little sea salt on it from like one of these bougie grocery stores yes. that's the way like to go. Ra- wrapped in some cellophane but really tightly wrapped and there's always like a sprig of lavender painted on the wrapping somehow and you're like i don't know why lavender has anything to do with my i am 100 percent with you i have not i also in a heyday of my past messed with some double stuff oreos oh. No, right. let's be clear about Oreo. There is only <laughs> the double stuff. Right at this point, Oreo. I, I I haven't tuned into Oreo for quite some time. But if like Oreo is still rolling out these sing, single stuff to regular stuff, get out of here. It's only the double stuff. How do you guys feel about a, a golden Oreo? Oh no, that's the shit, like my no. mom ate, and I like she's like guaranteed Matt won't eat these cookies. I'm like yeah, that's yeah. True. That's like a diet Oreo. I will mess with a nutter butter though. A nutter butter, which is like not an Oreo, but another sort of sandwich. If you're in a peanut butter mood, actually, if you want to take a nutter butter and dip that into some Nutella, wow, that is a <laughs> that is a crying and probably wearing sweatpants kind of day. I hope you're wearing. I hope you're wearing sweatpants if you're doing that. That is going to feel problematic because yeah, I've <laughs> I've been there. Um, haven't we all? I, it's, I'm, I love Christmas because well, I, I'm not like iffy on the holiday of Christmas. We won't get into that. But like the actual. Oh, do, you, do you have a do you have a proclamation about the state of G.O.D.? No, not today. Um, just really, though, I do. I'm a big fan of Christmas cookies. I like a good like mm-hmm. sugar cookie. Also, those Pillsbury one. Shout out to Pillsbury. Thanks oh, for yes. thanks for sponsoring the podcast, but you know chopping those, it up, right? You the, chop them up and you with the Christmas tree in the middle of them. Yeah, yeah, those yes. are those are crack. Those are okay. Yeah. Those are like I'm under a bridge. I'm I'm uh, just straight up. I'm, I've thrown away my entire life to eat those things. That's where we're at. Pillsbury, man. I, I speaking of just Pillsbury holidays, Thanksgiving. Brett's freaking out over here. By the way, Liz, you can't see it. <laughs> but uh, those I forgot those like Pillsbury crescent rolls. My oh, God, those are popping when yeah. the whole thing pops. Yes, the whole container. Oh, we had them over yes. Thanksgiving, and uh, <laughs> like I forgot that these are an actual drug addictive uh, food property. It's quite a problem. I feel like the sound of the pop. Is I mean, you know how much I like champagne. And when I hear the pop of the Pillsbury Crescent Roll container, it is akin to like a not like a Dom Perignon, but like a nice yeah. Prosecco. Oh, yeah. my God. All right. So we are all <laughs> lathered up. Clearly, Matt and I are in a different place and time. But right, we want to be here with you. So we're going to get forward with the show. We're going to talk about Dalvin Cook because – He didn't just injure his shoulder on Monday night. I think it's important to say that he re-injured his shoulder, which is why his outlook moving forward is more tenuous than I think people are realizing. Yes, he has clamored for the field saying he is, quote, definitely going to be playing. But Matt, I I don't know. How are you approaching this situation Monday night or from Monday night? Yeah, I think it's a problem, right? Because as you mentioned, it's a re-injury. Also, this is a situation that he can play through, but probably not completely effective. 
Um, you also have to worry then about a re-injury. I mean, we've seen James Conner now, different situation, but James Conner is a guy that has come into the lineup, been re-injured, comes back again, gets injured in the middle of the game. So now you have to worry about that with Dalvin Cook. Also, it's just a bummer when these things aren't just made totally clear, you know, when it's like, mm-hmm. okay, now we know Dalvin Cook is out of the picture. Alexander Madison is into like the fringe RB1 picture in this offense. This is the worst case scenario when it's completely muddled, especially going into such a great spot like playing the damn yes. Lions. Well, that's almost – I almost wish they were playing like the Buccaneers or the Saints because it would be like, ah, it's a wash. You're not going to use them anyway. Get what you get, and you, you just kind of know what to do with your expectations. But honestly, the Lions could give up a big run, and we know that Dalvin Cook could probably – he's evading something like six tackles per week on average anyway. We know that he could probably break a, a, a long run. He has that in his skill set. I am reminded, though, and I love that you mentioned the thing about re-injury because I also felt like on Monday night when he didn't even go to the tent, I was like, oh, they know exactly what the problem yeah. is here. There's no guesswork to be done. But I am reminded of Mark Ingram a couple of seasons ago. Um, who made it onto the field when he was in the States. I want to say this is like the 2015 season, but he was not effective because he wasn't able. Yes, they're very different runners, but like he wasn't able to lower his shoulder, which is obviously something that a running back needs to do. Cook has speed and elusiveness, so it's not the primary focus. He's not like a you know traditional power runner or something. But I do think the question here is, um, and the Vikings, after losing on Monday night, need to win. I don't think they want to mess with a wild card spot. I think they want to win the whole division, right? And I think they could do it. I also just want to say I love this time of year because real-life football implications now, like, fold into fantasy, so we get to delve into that a little bit more. But I am imagining there's going to be a split here because the Vikings want to win. The matchup is soft, as you've mentioned. Uh, Denver, or Detroit, rather, is allowing the 10th most rushing yards per game. That's an average of 118. They gave up 4.7 yards per carry to David freaking Montgomery last week, plus a touchdown through the air. We know that Madison has a dual skill set. I think it's going to be a pretty, like a 60-40 timeshare. Would you agree? I do agree. And I think one of the key things to note here, and I feel like I've said this a few times when talking about Madison all season, but this was a situation where when they drafted him pretty high, you know, like a third round pick is no, is no chump change for a running back. They draft Madison pretty high. They kind of say, Hey, this is a guy that we view as our Latavius Murray type of player. We think he can have that type of skill set, or at least fit into that type of role. Um, I, I think that Madison is a guy that they trust. He's, he's shown plenty well too. I mean, at this point he's averaging 4.8 yards per carry, um, 16% broken tackle rate, which is right up there with a guy like Marlon Mack or Carlos Hyde, you know, players that carry the load for their respective teams. So I, I don't see any reason at all why the Vikings wouldn't be incentivized to make this a split. Totally agree. And last week, he also more impressively converted four. I mean, he, whatever, he rushed, he toted the ball 20, uh, four times for 22 yards. Fine. Great. Game flow mm-hmm. affected that. But he converted four of five of his looks for 51 yards. So he has that floor that we talk about in the passing game that elevates him. And he's also getting a ton of red zone looks over the past four weeks. So over the past four games, he's had 18 total carries, which is averages out to four and a half carries per week. But of those 18, seven of them were in the red area of the field. I like that a lot. And I imagine that if you are going to want to protect Cook, you're not going to give him the goal line looks, which makes Madison a great option. I am going to put him in definite flex range, maybe even low-end RB2, depending on how deep or desperate I am. Yeah, I think that if you have him, you're probably going to 
probably going to be pretty tempted to start him just because of the matchup and the potential split. Where would you put um, Cook? I think if he plays because of the matchup, you're probably going to, again, side off. Unless you're very well off at running back, which if you are, congrats, good to you. Uh, you're one of the few. That's probably why you're still playing in the damn playoffs. I think you're probably going to uh, decide on starting him sort of in the same in the same range. I think you'd rank them right about even, to be honest with you. That's interesting. In our Yahoo rankings, um, I am the second lowest on. I have him at RB8 overall. Andy has him at RB10. Everyone else still has him at RB2. I don't know if they haven't tweaked yet. Or if they're just that optimistic. Yeah, I mean, the play, it's always tough when the player is optimistic because... They're always optimistic. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I mean. You know, that's tough to, like, take that for sure or whatever, but we'll see. All right, so let's talk about Marlon Mack. Um, he has the hand injury that has kept him out over the past few weeks, but he's back in practice. This is a messy, icky mess. A messy, icky mess. That's a technical term. Um, we've got Jordan Wilkins, Jonathan Williams, your boy, and Naheem Hines <laughs> all in the mix. <laughs> And I also, like, am interested in the fact that Naheem Hines, who I thought has played pretty well but just hasn't been given a larger opportunity share, um, he's had nine – last two weeks he's had nine carries and four carries and then two red zone carries per contest. He's also had two catches per game. So he is more involved than usual. I am going to go ahead and put Marlon Mack in that, like, RB30 range RB 28 to 31 um more of a high-end flex also they're facing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are ranked second in DVOA and only gave up 2.7 yards per carry to Leonard Fournette last week not that he's a YPC monster but I just think it's telling perspective wise you say it all the time they sell out to stop the run so this feels like much more of a Zach Pascal game than a Marlon Mack game gross yeah, and the problem is, too, I think this is a bigger deal than even the matchup, is that the Colts' offense is really starting to kind of fall apart. I mean, especially from a performance perspective, for sure, but I think a lot of that has to do with injuries. You know, T.Y. Hilton said today that he's not sure when or if he will be he's back this back. season. I don't think yeah. he's going to come back because I don't think the Colts are going to make it to the playoffs. Jacoby Brissett, and you could argue that this is because, you know, not only is Hilton out, Mac has missed time. Ebron is on IR. I think Chester Rogers is done. So like Paris Campbell's banged up. Paris Campbell's been banged up all year. So yeah. to this point, it's really like Zach Pascal, Jack Doyle, who we like in fantasy, but is a dad runner, a catch and fall specialist, as Andy Barons likes to say. That's just not a ton of juice in the offense. And it started to leak down to the quarterback who also had his own injury problems. And this might play a part of it, too. But in weeks one through seven, Jacoby Brissett had 14 touchdowns to three interceptions. In weeks 8 through 13, he's had two touchdowns to three interceptions. So the, the the lid has really come off on this Colts offense. So in general, even if Marlon Mack is back, he's healthy, I think that's the biggest problem with starting him is that we know he's a game script dependent back who needs that lead. And I don't know that the Colts offense right now is really going to be having that lead. The biggest thing I think working in Mack's favor and this has been true all, my gosh, the past two seasons, is that offensive line, mm-hmm. right? So, like, if there is an O-line that could handle the Bucks D-line, I think it is this one. I, though, agree. I mean, it, it's also a volume question here. You know, we thought Jonathan Williams was the guy, but it was a short week, and Jordan Wilkins, I guess, wasn't ready. And then last week it was Jordan Wilkins. And I, I, I yeah, I don't know. Um, also, come on, why isn't Mo Ali Cox more involved? Is that thumb really that much of an issue? 
I would like to see him a little bit more involved. But I think you're right. And I don't think that the game script is going to lean in Mac's way, which I do think continues to make Naheem Hines an interesting flex play in a PPR-friendly format. Yeah, I would say in that format only uh, that I find to be interesting. Another running back that is returning to practice but won't be eligible this week, maybe week 16, which is at Denver, is Carrion Johnson. (sighs) So, Matt... The question here, I mean, there's a, there's a lot going on here, actually. Are you willing to spend one of your bench spots rostering him in the case that he could do something for you in your fantasy championship, assuming you make it that far? Is there even a real-world situation where the 3-8-1 and one currently Detroit Lions even bother putting on Johnson aback with durability issues in harm's way so late in the season? I have an opinion on that, but I want to hear yours first. I think there's definitely a chance that the Lions do that because they're not, I don't think they're very smart. I think that there's a chance they throw them out there on the field. I don't love the idea of it though. You know, at the end of the day, these roster spots are kind of precious at this point. Like you want to have as much upside on that bench as, as possible. You want to have Alexander Madison or someone like that on the bench because we never know what happens with Dalvin Cook. The same thing can then you can take it to all these other backfields, you know, with the pretty clear number two, uh, your, your Tony Pollard's obviously, you, we know, you, we've talked about it. They, the people know the guys at this point. I, I don't know that carry on Johnson fits in that mold right now because, you know, just in general, this offense also, I don't know that Matt Stafford is going to be back. Uh, David, not. David Blau had his moments, uh, but I don't think that that was something that you're going to see week over week. But that might lean to carry on Johnson's favor, right? That might be a more Matt Patricia having his fever game situation where he can just feed carry on all day. I'm, I'm going to say that I disagree with you slightly, not I think that we will see a lot of carry on Johnson if he is ready in week 16, not because the lions are stupid, but because Matt Patricia is dumb like a Fox. And I look at his job security situation. This is something that Charles Robinson discussed on this week's episode of cover three. And this dude should be fired, but he has Hmm. quote, luckily had so many injuries cover up as excuses for losses, right? You've got Stafford and you've got on Johnson. And I think that that has maybe masked all of the flaws that he has created. The problems, I mean, we had Quandre Diggs moving teams, right? And then showing up and not for the Lions. And um, there's a culture clash here, but I think the Bob Quinn connection helps keep Matt Patricia safe. And also, we always remember the last thing we see. We're guilty of it in fantasy, right? I think Martha Ford is probably going to be guilty of it as well. And Matt Patricia wants to remind her of the, let's not forget that Bob Quinn was in charge of scouting at the Patriots before he came to the Lions, right? He, he Look at look at what we brought. Look at the pieces that we have, Martha. Look, look at what, if, if they were just healthy, what we could do. And that is going to save Matt Patricia's job. So I think there is going to be a strategy in play here. I don't like the idea of taking up bench spots from a fantasy perspective, but I don't mind it if we do think Johnson's going to get a lot of run. Yeah, that's the thing, too. I think someone tweeted at a bunch of us this morning and like Scott Pianowski and Andy Barons both responded with like strong opinions. They handled it, so I decided to stay out of it. But they were. Yeah, they were very much like. No, don't bother. Like, we don't know what kind of work, you know, all that type of stuff. The only thing I would disagree with is with those guys is that, yeah, I think there's a chance that if he plays, you are going to probably consider playing him in fantasy. It's just like, do you want to wait those two weeks? That's Um, it. I don't know that. And the thing is, too, I'm now kind of talking myself into it because I don't really know that one spot 
you're going to pick someone else up that is potentially more valuable than carry on Johnson, or at least if you are, we don't know who that player is. So it's, it's a risk for sure. I don't think it's going to make or break your season though. That's, that's the thing. It doesn't move the needle one Mm -hmm. way or another to me. Yeah. I would say I would, it would depend um, on how thin you are. Like if you're just squeaking into the playoffs, like if you're the sixth seed, maybe you have some room and you do it. Also another injury for the lions. Um, yeah, TJ so. Hawkinson on IR. That makes Noah Fant the rookie tight end one on the season, just like we all predicted, right? Terrific. Hey, it's, I mean, <laughs> you're right, though. Like the Lions have as much injury excuse as anyone in the league right now, especially, especially on offense. I mean, they haven't been healthy. They have a decent, I think Stafford is good. Stafford was having a great year before he got hurt. Hawkinson showed flashes. Johnson, I think, is a good runner. Mm-hmm. It's 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 tough though. I mean that that's a that's well, a... and you've got Galladay and Marvin Jones and those two. I mean you can't deny that they are a great one-two punch. Uh, I don't no know question. how much I appreciate Danny Amendola in the slot, but regardless, I don't I, appreciate it. I, <laughs> I mentioned um, Hawkinson because obviously Jesse James and Logan Thomas will be the tight ends that the Logan Lions Thomas baby. I would so, let's let's see Logan Thomas take some quarterback snaps, man. You're insane. Uh, <laughs> Lynchburg, Lynchburg I mean, Virginia kind of native, Logan Thomas. Come on. Let me have well, my uh, moment. All right. Let's crack some crabs for the fool. Let's do it. <laughs> Why um, are we cracking crabs? I don't know. That's like a Virginia Delmarva nah, thing to do. Yeah, no, nah, not in that area. Okay. Not I'm so, that I area, tried to no, be Virginia. warm to you. I'm sorry. I don't know. What do you all do? Let's go get some guns. I don't, I'm not <laughs> quite sure. what. I'm going to go ahead and pass on this uh, this discussion. Let's make some moonshine in a bathtub. There we go. Your grandma does that or something, right? Mike, I can't, again, would not want to confirm that on uh, a podcast that trillions of people listen to. Oh, I, it's a, it's illegal, isn't it? It is, is it illegal. illegal. Yeah. It was definitely not my grandma who is dead. So, I mean, well, you know what? No, it is. It was her. So it can't can't charge her. That was the member of the family. It's all. There we're all go. good. We're all good. It's over. See, I was I was trying to give you an out. Appreciate that. I just to this point, because and because I'm the tight ends person. Whisper. In week 15, well, we'll see about that. Uh, <laughs> the Lions are at are, are, are facing Tampa Bay. Oh. It's a very, very good matchup for the tight end position. And we know that if Bluch is out there, he might, as there is a narrative that exists, rookie court or young quarterbacks tend to lean on a tight end. And Jesse James is traditionally more of a blocking tight end. I would like to see how the Targets are distributed this week because if I am desperate for a streamer in the second week of my playoffs, maybe I throw a dart at one of these two guys, and I'm guessing it might be Logan Thomas. I mean, let me tell you what your narrative. You tell me what your narrative last week. Uh, your boy Hawkinson got 11 targets on Thanksgiving. I mean, he turned them into 18 whole yards. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, he had a bad ankle, Matt. 1.6 yards per target. <laughs> Just matriculating down the field. That's like a that's like a bad goal line back stat um, in terms of yards per touch. But nevertheless, I would look if it's Logan Thomas season in the fantasy playoffs. I'm so here for that. I get I, your moonshine. Get your moonshine, baby. I think he went to. I think he really did go to like EC Glass High School, like which is the high school right down the street from now the University of Lynchburg where I went to college. I'm, is Old Bay a thing in Virginia? Yeah, it's more of a, it's definitely more of a Maryland. See, I think you're getting your Maryland uh, and Virginia wires crossed here, which they're, all, I, they're the same thing. They're not. They are not 
incredibly not the same thing. Parts of well, them are the same thing, but man, Logan there's Thomas. There's a lot of overlap. On his Wikipedia page, he looks he looks sad. Also, he went to Brookville um, High School, so it's in, yeah, that's nah, different. That's different. Great facts. Uh, <laughs> 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 Probably now we should close the page. Yeah, that'll be enough. Just like the Giants thought they could close the page on Eli Manning, but <sighs> my sweet prince returns to ride again, baby. What is up, dad face? Get your cargo shorts. Get your weird bottle cap remover that you hang off the side of it. Get your grilling materials. We are going outside and we're going to cook up a victory. What the that hell? Was off the cup. Oh, what, my God. What the hell? I thought we were done. Oh, booty slapping. Let's do it. I love that, like, no one understands why you're so jazzed about <laughs> Eli Manning, especially Eli Manning's ass. But, you know, nevertheless, uh, great. I mean, that is that is what a man looks like. Let me just. <laughs> that, let is, me just. that is what a man looks like. Oh, he does it to me. That stupid sideways Muppet grin every time. By the way, if Golden Tate plays on Monday, this is going to be the first time that the Giants will have all of Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, and Darius Slayton all active for a game, which is like, that's a really good group of weaponry. So my thought is, great, just in time for Eli Manning to sink them all. What do you, why? Why is that the thought? I mean, Eli Manning doesn't fumble nearly as much as Daniel Jones. Maybe he's not as like, I don't know, athletic anymore. He doesn't move the same. But the schedule is pretty hot at Philadelphia versus Miami at Washington. Okay, Eli, like you go out in a blaze of glory with some real weapons. We've seen Sterling Shepard produce when healthy. And that guy can't stay healthy for the second season in a row, right? Like, but when when Eli was under center and Sterling Shepard was on the field, he was converting like seven of nine targets a week. And I know OBJ was there to stretch the field, et cetera. But like, I think there is some real opportunity here for these ancillary Giants pieces I think actually the big the big winner might be Evan Ingram uh, Evan Ingram 14 targets in week one and they are booty slapping each other there's a connection there. right there's the there's the booty slap narrative um it's just the thing is too I mean obviously we know that Eli can't get the damn ball down the field at this point (sighs) he takes he takes all the juice out of the offense that's that's the problem like at least Daniel Jones I don't love Daniel Jones. I don't love watching him play. I think he turns the ball over, obviously, a ton. But at least I think there was a ceiling, you know, with Daniel Jones involved. I don't see how Eli can possibly make all of these weapons happy. And it sucks because it does come at the time of the year when the schedule is really good for the Giants. But just just count count me out on like the Eli Redemption Tour narrative. What I really don't want to have happen, Liz, what I really, really, really don't want to see is Eli goes out in that blaze of glory and some damn team is yes, rolling. No, yes. no, yes. no. No one yes. needs that. Why? We just got done with this guy. He makes football unfun to watch. Uh, maybe he just needed uh, – maybe it was the New York media was too much for him. Oh, the New York media. Look, here's the thing. You're going to – he's not going to go away. His dumb face is not going to go away. Like you're It's gonna, not a dumb face. Don't be jealous of an angel's face. Matt. I'm not – I am not je- – you know, you and my mother have the exact same take on Eli Manning. You both have this, like, weird attraction to him. You're – wait, Bev and I both like Eli? Yeah. What's up? You should call your dad for me. 
no, thank you. <laughs> also, by the way, also by the way, they're divorced. That didn't work out. So just. I mean, hey, fifty-fifty shot. Maybe I can, maybe I'll call my stepdad up for you. Now that'd be a show. Anyways, point. I is, don't want to steal another woman's man. But point, if your mom the is point, done with them. The point is here. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. The point is here. I I hate. I don't want to see Eli Manning like you know starting for another team next year. Please let's not let's not do that. Well, we'll see if you get your wish. You know, he never wanted to play anywhere but New York. So maybe he'll uh, – I'm ready for the redemption tour. And I do think – I think you nailed it and I yelled or squealed or whatever at the same moment that Evan Ingram is going to be the biggest beneficiary here. And I'm I'm here for it. I think Saquon – I mean, I, I, I like Ingram. It's good. You, you know a team might need a quarterback next year? The Carolina the, Panthers. The Chargers. They, uh-uh. The team that oh. Eli spurned <laughs> all these years ago. Yeah, great. Just you take the guy. Not, that, I, take I the like guy. that. Why? What's the what's the point? Do you, I don't know. It's just a full circle. Rivers is Rivers is is probably bad now too, but he's been better than Eli his entire career. Oh my god, Matt. I'm sorry. I don't know when you're gonna learn. Okay. Well, I don't know who facts. has who has two rings. Who cares? I he has two rings. Who cares? His two has two rings because his defensive line got him there. Uh, I don't need. Oh, look, and let me tell you what. I'm not a Philip Rivers stan either. I'm not. I, this is amazing. Look at him get all worked up. I out. don't appreciate either one of these quarterbacks. They can both go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you think that exists, though, right? Um, No, I definitely don't. That seems like a great segue to talk about your Carolina Panthers. Speaking of hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> must be. Like, imagine, like, imagine being a Panthers fan. Could you imagine? I can't, personally. So you're not, and Ron River. Well, I mean, maybe you can now that Ron Rivera was fired. Like, there's a new, there might be some optimism in Carolina because obviously David Tepper don't mess around, and he's a former businessman. Charles Robinson wrote a great article about the tone yeah. in Carolina. I, I wanted to hear your thoughts on this, in so much as that Brett told me I should ask for your thoughts on this. Right, sure. Uh, I get it. Uh, I, I think that in general, I think Rivera's a good coach. I think his time had just kind of come there i think i thought it was good that tepper gave him a chance to you know come in and like show something you could say that he eventually got the short end of the stick because cam newton was never healthy you know during that show me something period <laughs> nevertheless though i like i said i think his time had come i think rivera's undoing was that he was painfully conservative both in how he built teams and how he managed games you you know the riverboat Ron thing is obviously like his big calling card, but I, I think in terms of the way they constructed the offense and stuff like that, it was always way too conservative. They were always way too slow. In general, again, I think he did a lot of great stuff for the team, and, and like as a whatever you want to call me, person close to the Panthers, uh, I I appreciate his time there, but I think it was definitely time for a change. And I just really, I hope that. I love this. I love a lot of what's coming out of Carolina, you know, with David Tepper saying they want to reimagine the front office to be more forward thinking with an old school lean. I like that. I don't I don't need them to become like, you know, the Sashi Brown, Paul D. Podesta Browns or anything like that. But I do think the idea of bringing in somebody, you know, more it sounds like what what Tepper wants to do is have more voices involved in the front office. And I actually think that's a good thing. You don't need some monolith like uh, David, like Dave Gettleman back there making Mm -hmm. calls. But I think it is nice to have more voices there. I think it's good for the for the long term. And I think obviously just the key question is what is going to happen with with Cam Newton, because I think that all options are on are on the table here. Like at this point, just with the way things are right now and the, the fact that they have an opening at head coach. 
I, I still feel like I would be shocked if Cam Newton is not with the Carolina Panthers in 2020 because you get the idea of a franchise quarterback exists on the roster. That's going to be appealing to whatever forward-thinking, quote-unquote, head coach you get. Is it, though? I, I don't know if that's correct. I mean, I would imagine that there is a, a type of ego similarly to, like, Cliff Kingsbury, right? They're not going to have the draft capital that the Cardinals yes, did. Yes, that's the problem. But there is a, like, hmm, I wonder what I could do here, right? It's the same idiots who want to run for president. Like, I could fix everything. There is an ego attached yeah. to this that if you have Cam Newton, you also understand the same way that Matt Nagy, frankly, had to do when he came to Chicago. He had to sell pace on himself via the quarterback decision, right? So now, if Cam Newton is not part of the equation, I wonder if a, a coach gets to say, like, here's what I'm going to do. We're going to scrap it. And Tepper might, I think, like that a little bit more because – it allows him to have a clean slate and really make his mark. Again, we're talking to egos on the franchise. I think there's a chance that that's true, but the fact that he's so cheap is what makes it what makes well, it he's interesting. A businessman. If he if and that's also like Cam might decide like either give me an extension or I'm or I want out of here, which I think is also is a possibility that's on the table too. But for me, if I'm a coach, like again, coming back to the ego thing, you want to think like there's still so much untapped potential out of Cam Newton's career. Like if if this is it, it ventures towards a what could have been type of career, despite how great he's been for the franchise, which is kind of a bummer. I think you could get a creative offensive mind that says like, hey, I can do all these things with Cam Newton. Like I can be the one to fix him, yada, yada. Like we never saw anyone really do. So I think that does appeal to a coach in that regard. Plus like if they start over without Cam, they are firmly in quarterback wilderness, which again, I, I say it all the it's time. Exciting. It's exciting. It, it's, but it's exciting to a degree. It's, it's, it's exciting if you have an avenue to fix it and they're going to have a middle of the first round pick. They're going to have, Will Greer and Kyle Allen under center. Kyle Allen, who's fallen apart, and Will Greer, the guy who could never push Kyle Allen out of that ready. job. Yeah, that's problematic. Then you're looking at then you're looking at going and giving Cam Newton salary to Andy Dalton or Marcus Mariota, and like you can miss me with that being a good idea. I'd rather just keep Cam Newton for one year and figure it out. Hmm. Well, we'll see what happens. I don't think that obviously there are many fantasy implications here. No, no, I don't. I, people have asked that, like, do you think they'll still use Christian McCaffrey a ton? I guess, like, is it is interesting to see North Turner is moving to assistant to the the head coach or special assistant to the head coach, not assistant head coach, but special assistant to the head coach in a very Dwight Schrute type of manner. <laughs> um, and Scott Turner, his son, is now the offensive coordinator and likely play caller um, because I think everyone's under evaluation here. And it's just worth noting one last point on the, the head coaching search for Carolina. I think this is a really, really appealing job. Uh, I think this will be one of the most appealing jobs when we hit this point of the season because they're getting a head start. They have a ton of – I think they have a ton of good players on the roster, a lot to work with on offense. And you can have it both ways at the quarterback position. You could start over with a clean slate or you can have a potential franchise quarterback and there's some decent talent on defense and you have a supportive owner who wants to pour resources into this. I think this is a very appealing job. I think that's probably why he got cut so early ahead of yep. Black Monday or whatever so that they could kind of see what was being pitched their way. You yeah. know, Tepper could feel the waters a little more ahead of time. Wait, and, and as for Rivera, like he's going to end up at D.C. somewhere, right? I think he could get a head coaching job. I think he you could think end so? up, I think he could end up in New York with Dave Gettleman if he gets retained and Shermer oh, gets reunited. Although, well, you know, Charles did say that Gettleman and Shermer were not a package deal, that they yeah. could be separated. So 
the only thing I would say is I've heard it both ways in terms of whether Rivera and Gettleman like got along, saw eye to eye, or would be like totally interested in a reunion. I think Rivera would easily be a DC somewhere, but we'll definitely, I think he'll get head coaching sniffs. I would rather like to see him be a DC, do the whole Wade Phillips, like go back to what you know and excel at that thing the most. Yeah. The only problem is like, that's what kind of fell apart here at the end for Carolina is that besides the quarterback position, the de- the defense is a, a complete train wreck in the year that he decided to remake it in well, his that's image. That's true. McDermott went to Buffalo. So yeah. All right, let's talk about one thing, our, our every game one thought little system here. I'm going to start with Indianapolis at Tampa Bay. Go. I thought you said you were going to start. I was going to start with that matchup. If you want me to start, I can start. You can start. Okay, I'm going to start. Fine. Thank you, Matt. That's so chivalrous of you. <laughs> Brett just puked. <laughs> Why? Because we're being nice? No, because... Because uh, we're just discussing what we're about to do instead of doing oh, the thing. Oh, instead of doing giving you, like, really thing. good... Okay, you, some, we, you need some utility in this podcast, and we're going to talk about Indianapolis at Tampa Bay. I <laughs> mentioned it a little bit earlier. Zach Pascal is a thing. I mean, I can't believe we're going to do this again. We said we were going to do it in Week 10 versus Miami, and while he did uh, draw seven looks in that game, uh, he only caught two balls. But I think coming off of a uh, seven-catch, 190, nine-yard effort against Tennessee. When I look at the matchup and I look at the options, I think Zach Pascal becomes one of those super gross, not at all stable, which is not ideal in the first week of your playoffs. But my goodness, if you need a a wide receiver three with volume, 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 this is going to be it. Yeah, to me, I think there's going to be a ton of passes. I like that pick because I think there's going to be a ton of pass attempts for Indianapolis because Right now, Tampa Bay per uh, MGM is a three-point favorite. I don't know about that. I don't, I, I don't know about that. I think that I think they are they're a much right now. Tampa Bay is a much more dangerous team than the Indianapolis Colts. I think that their strengths match up against uh, that. That being Tampa Bay's strengths match up very well against Indianapolis's weaknesses. And I think Indianapolis is going to have to throw the ball a lot. It probably won't be very efficient because uh, Jacoby Brissett's kind of falling apart, but there should be a lot of volume pushed his way. And not for nothing. No, actually, for nothing. Bruce Arians did say Ronald Jones is still the starter, but no one ever... I was no, waiting for no, you to mention that no one, no one, No one mess with that. Don't bother. Don't do it. Don't, Don't do, do it. it. Cooties. Um, let's talk Cooties. about <laughs> <laughs> Baltimore at Buffalo. Let's just start all your Ravens. They all run. And what is the deficiency in Buffalo? The run defense. Go for it. Yeah. And the only the question that's interesting for me here, like you said, it's a good matchup for what Baltimore does well because they Baltimore is Baltimore is a great rushing team. The Bills, like you said, they've started to fall apart. They're 22nd in run defense DVOA. They've been run on a little bit here of late. But then on the flip side of that, does anyone have any confidence in starting Josh Allen? Because he's been a great fantasy quarterback. He's first in rushing touchdowns among quarterbacks, second in rushing yards among quarterbacks. But does anyone feel confident playing him against the Baltimore defense? I I don't. I don't think I would risk it. Well, no, and I also think that his appeal has been obviously his rushing floor. And as a passer, he still has a long way to go. And I imagine he's going to be having to pass a lot because I can absolutely foresee a situation in which Baltimore takes an early lead in this one. And and I don't know if he's going to be fantastic under pressure. I have him for reference ranked as my QB 15 for the week. So just outside of the top 
top 12. Yeah, I think if he are in a multi-QB league, you play him. If not, probably not. Detroit at Minnesota. We talked a lot about this matchup already. You're starting Alexander Madison. You're probably not as excited as about uh, Bo Scarborough in this one. Um, but Adam Thielen, are we, are we assuming he's going to be back? I am not assuming because he didn't participate in Wednesday's practice, which is when we're taping this. Um, maybe he plays or maybe he gets in a Thursday practice, a Friday practice, something like that. But he was a surprise. He was a, he was a surprise. It's sort of a surprise scratch, I guess. I know people were uh, fussy because they ruled him out early su- or late like after yeah. kickoff Sunday. Whatever you can you can deal with that. You'll be, you'll be fine. But I don't know. I, I I'm not penciling him into play. Fair enough. Um, I think we can move on. We're going to talk about what is the next one. Washington at Green Bay. This is the Lazard Kings moment, if ever there was one. I know he was. Was he a wolf? He was in early pickups on Sunday. Did he make it into the wolf pack pickups, Matt? He didn't make it into wolf pickups. Well, he may be a Friday forecast and fantasy damage pick the end of this week. He has emerged as... The Packers' number two option behind Devontae Adams. Now, that's not saying a whole heck of a lot because he's only drawn a total of five targets over the past two weeks, and he's caught four balls. Hey, he's efficient. But coming off of a 103-yard game, I mean, he has looked good doing it. He readjusted to a less-than-perfect throw from Aaron Rodgers, which I absolutely noted and appreciated. And I do love the matchup here against Washington. The Packers are obviously in in full. I don't think the Packers are just in, like, must-win mode, but they're in, like, big D energy kind of mode. Like, they got to win big down the stretch here and close up the division. Yeah, I like that call. And I think this is going to be one of those times where Rodgers goes out and throws a hammer on teams. We've seen. and I Yes, that's what I mean. I kind of think this is because Matt LaFleur is smart. I also think it's just kind of luck. But Aaron Rodgers has thrown one or zero touchdowns in six games this year. And in three three separate contests, he's thrown 12 touchdowns combined. So mm. I think he has been a bulk player this year. This is going to be one of those bulk moments uh, because we know Washington is terrible. Washington is terrible, indeed. Um, Denver at Houston is our next matchup. Drew Locke coming off of his first Pro win. W. Got that QB Chargers. win, baby. He ate, ate the dub, baby. Now he's going to travel to Houston, uh, whose defense, to quote you many times on this podcast, is falling apart. Cortland Sutton remains a stud. I don't understand how he's so damn good. Philip Lindsay is the lead back. I don't want to hear anything about Royce Freeman, even if the Texans' run defense is falling apart. No, Sony Michelle did not get it done against them, but that was game flow. Instead, yeah. James White rolled all over them. So fine. Do not be afraid of the Texans' run defense. Matt and I pounded that point on last week's FFL. What other pieces here are you excited about? Will Fuller almost had a touchdown but dropped it against the Patriots, right? Am I remembering that? Yep. Just correctly. Just, just, just juggled it just a little bit, and then the ne- very next bit. play they went back to Kenny Stills and did the same thing. And right. And it was Stills who ended up scoring. So but we do know I only mention that because I think people saw Fuller have a huge game in his return. And then if they didn't see the game, not see much of a stat line. And then but we should know he almost caught a touchdown because that is what he does. And I have to imagine that Chris Harris is probably going to be draped for the most part all over Nuke, which should open things up for Fuller. And I don't want people to be afraid of Fuller's ceiling 
in week 14. I like the fuller call a lot. That was one I was going to bring up because I think that this, we know where the ball's going in this offense. They have a lot of different weapons they can spread the ball out to, but we know that fuller has a lot of the deep looks covered. I think Hopkins is still fine even with Chris Harris, obviously, but you know, this is a spot that I expect Houston to kind of roll because I think their offense is just so much better than Denver's San Francisco at new Orleans. Fun game. Should be. I think this is the moment where, God, I'm sitting here as the skeleton waiting for Alvin Kamara to finally score all those touchdowns he's due for. I think he scored on something than like fewer than 10% of his touches this year. It's been, you know, unbelievably bad in terms of scoring for Alvin Kamara. Uh, But I think, I think this is the game where he can get right because we know that the 49ers, they're an unbelievably good pass defense. The Drew Brees-led Saints are kind of an average passing offense, but the 49ers are weaker in terms of rush defense. They're first in pass defense DVOA. They're 14th in rush defense DVOA. So I think that's how they attack them in this in this spot. I've got a lot of questions about Mostert here. Um, oh, yeah, Mustard, yeah. I was right about Tevin Coleman being a bust last week, but I thought maybe burrito would be back and he obviously wasn't i am not buying into the mustard hype it was one game the weather was a little bit wonky you know like again i think it's hard to project this backfield and i think against the new orleans run defense i mean you're not going to start most moss don't expect the same thing you got last week i guess is what i'm saying i don't know if you're looking at backs who i think that i think that shanahan definitely is kind of annoyed with with Coleman because he's been so sure. inefficient. I think if Breed is back, that definitely throws a wrench into the equation. But Mostert has been legitimately good. When you look at players who have 90-plus carries, he's fourth in yards after contact per attempt drink. Uh, he's top 10 in terms of broken tackle rate. He's been a really good player uh, on limited looks, of course. But nevertheless, I think there's some incentive to continue to ride your hottest hand in this backfield because they want to be a run-focused team. Now, the Saints are generally a really good run defense, so that's that's problematic. But I think if you're going to favor one of the backs in the 49ers backfield right now, I think it is Mostert at this very moment. For what it's worth, Burita is practicing today and is expected to join the rest of the backfield on Sunday. So I, I, just, I feel like Burita is the superior back. He is also, throughout the season, because of these durability issues, it seemed as though Shanahan was limiting his touches to about under 12, you know, that 9 to 12 range. So I think we're looking at another share. That, But it, how it shakes out, I don't know. I, I will agree, though, that Coleman has fallen out of favor. I feel you, yep. Cincinnati at Cleveland. Baker Mayfield's got a he's – thro- he's got a – not throwing. A glove. Got, He's a, got glove. a glove, right? He's got a glove. He wasn't throwing at practice here on Wednesday. Problematic, but he said, Liz, he said that yes. he will he will be playing because quote Mama didn't raise no wuss, so we expect him to play. I, I, his, I, I also expect he should play. That's fine. Um, I'm <laughs> great. You've got They're your Baker the camo shirt on. I do, I do. I'm wearing a Baker AF camo shirt. Uh, that's a true story. But I think that this is a Nick Chubb Kareem Hunt game anyway. I mean, I know that I know the Bengals are giving up, you know, over 13 yards per reception, and OBJ could have a bit of a field day, and and that's great. But I also feel like the best way to beat the Bengals is versus the run, and we know that the, that Chubb, we know that the Chubb is the engine of this offense. So 
I don't really care about starting Baker at this point. Not my. I mean, if you're in your fantasy playoffs, you're probably not using Baker Mayfield on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, if you're streaming quarterbacks, I think he's in contention. But I, I agree with you that I think you can start Landry and Beckham because it's a good matchup. But I do think this should be a Hunt-Chubb game. Hunt, by the way, I know he scored in back-to-back games, but he's only $17 in daily fantasy. Like, that's pretty nice. John Ross is expected oh. to play on Sunday, which I only bring up not because I want to answer any John Ross questions, but because I think it unfortunately limits Auden Tate, who has been in, who has, I think, excelled, exceeded expectations this season. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think that makes sense. Carolina and Atlanta, you got anything to say? No, nah, I feel we like we, we, we know, what, we know okay. what to do here. Okay. Miami at Jets. Oh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, that is my stack this week. Fitz and Devontae Parker. I love him as a low-place quarterback. I think he's only $23 in DFS. He's got that DGAF that you've mentioned, and he and Parker are just having a ball together. Uh, There's an opportunity for Patrick Laird here. Yes, the Jets have a pretty tough run defense, but we expect that the Dolphins will be running from behind. I don't know if you really want to mess with Laird and again the first week of your playoffs. That does not scream stability, but hey, if you're in a really deep league and you're looking for desperation, maybe throw that out. He does have experience as a receiver. And um, I don't know, Adam Gase can have a second stab at another revenge opportunity here. Yeah, great. Uh, hopefully he uh, actually wins this revenge, but you never know. I, I Things are rough in New York right now. You know, the, the the whispers are starting to come out probably from Le'Veon Bell's camp. Every uh, like I read an article, I think it was in the Post this week about how you know you got to use him or, or trade him or whatever. Like, well, number use one, him or lose him. Number one, you can't trade him because trade deadline's over. So thanks for that. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Things have been bad in New York, and I think they're only going to get worse. Chargers at Jacksonville. Chargers at Jaguars. I should say a lot of Melvin Gordon. He's twenty dollars in DFS. Um, the question I think is less about the Chargers and more about Gardner Minshew as the starter in Jacksonville. I think this is good news for everyone. Um, I don't know that it was just hard to like. You can't play much worse than Nick Foles played last week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But I think, as I mentioned before, the way these two guys work together in terms of Fournette and Minshew, I think makes more sense. Uh, I do just worry a little bit that we're not, I don't know that we're getting Minshew magic back because I think this ship is, is sinking here in uh, Jacksonville. And I think it's sinking fast. I'm only wondering if um, Minshew will play with the same sort of wild abandon because what does he have to lose at this point if this if the ship is sinking? I also think it's outrageous that the Chargers are three-point favorites in this matchup. It doesn't seem I don't, a lot of sense to me. Jacksonville has been obliterated lately. I think they've been outscored 103 to 44 over their last three games. Did you watch the game that the Chargers played in – in Mexico City? I mean, they just lost to Denver. Fair. They're horrible. Fair, but maybe they can beat Jacksonville by 10. I think this might be my favorite. This is going to be my garbage bowl game. I always oh. like to like find one on the one on the roster that's uh, or one yeah. on the slate rather that's like real bad. See what I can I mean, Miami better than Jacksonville right now. I'll tell you that. Sure. So that's oh, not I the garbage. Oh, I do like bowl. myself some. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Kansas City at New, at New England. This is it. This is the big one. This is the AFC showdown, except for you know, the Ravens. <laughs> Fascinating. I love the I love to talk about this game because number one on the Patriots side, 
I did fearless forecast for quarterbacks this week, and I definitely had Brady at like 13 fantasy points or something because not only is the situation problematic in terms of his skill position players, not only does he look stiff like an old man, the Chiefs' pass defense is really good. We we have to. I feel like we have to keep saying that because I don't know that it's out there, you know, as much as it should be. The Chiefs' pass defense is good. Their pass rush is good. I don't see this as a big day for. Brady, but I love Patrick Mahomes in this spot because he's been running more. He has over 80 rushing yards in the last two weeks. Uh, he also, I think we just watched, we just watched Deshaun Watson take this secondary to task because of the speed and athleticism at the quarterback position and for the pass catching group there. And I think obviously the big question in this game, despite saying all that, Liz, is, is it finally Darwin Thompson season? I was going to bring him up. <laughs> I have him in my notes. Matt, here's your opportunity. It might well, be. Well, it's not. It's not my opportunity because all he's either been dropped from all of my teams or uh, they're all dead in the water. Well, you can stump for your boy. Great. <laughs> I mean, I think I really do think it is, though. I mean, if Damian Williams is out, if Daryl Williams is out, it's either him and Dusty or it's either him or Dusty old LaShawn McCoy. And Thompson was a guy they liked in the preseason. They've kept him on the roster this whole time. He was pretty good with opportunity last week against Oakland. I think I, look, Darwin Thompson's $13 in daily fantasy. I put him in my lineup already. He's also only 12% owned. And the only point, Matt, that you haven't brought up is the fact that he has fresh legs. And we saw Damian Williams take the field with fresh legs at the end of last year and explode in this offense. I am 100%. I mean, it took, what, three months for it to happen. But I think you were ultimately right on him. And I scooped him up in a couple of leagues, too. Yeah, I mean, like you, I'm with you. You said this, I think, last week. Now, every time I think about Darwin Thompson, I think about my gift with melting. the face melting. <laughs> um, but remember, I only tweeted that face melt because LaShawn McCoy got signed that night as I was sitting outside thinking of things far beyond the realm of fantasy football. And I get the news alert about LaShawn McCoy and face melt. Yeah. But, you know, we were all excited before LaShawn McCoy got there. I, th- I think he could pass up McCoy this week. Titans are at the Raiders. Smash spot for Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry. I also wish A.J. Brown would just get more regular targets. And again, here's here's the curse. Anyone who's starting Johnny Smith, get ready. He's going to have a great game because I'm telling you not to start him. Oh, no. Why? Because it could be. I mean, why not? It could be Humphreys. It could be Smith. Like, Smith hasn't done anything. He hasn't seen any targets. He had one good game against Arizona. Fair. That's a good point. There's just not enough volume here for me to lean in 100% to the to the matchup, even if the matchup is good. And I think if you're looking at o- Oakland, um, from the Oakland side of things, like Derek Carr is going to have to put the ball in the air if he wants to win. The Tennessee run defense is good. We have been saying this week after week about the Raiders. Like, yes, they want Josh Jacobs to be the engine of the offense, and that makes a ton of sense, but sometimes you can't be. So you got to find also, balance. They also like kind of don't. They don't use him in the passing game at all. Right, because they're stuck on DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard. But here, Ugh. to me, this is an opera. This is the like. This is a Darren Waller opportunity. He probably won't score, right? Because Derek Carrier or Foss Fabian Moreau or something will will find the end zone ahead of him. But he should get a decent amount of looks, especially with Renfro out of things and Carr not wanting to Carr being Carr and therefore taking away Tyrell Williams' opportunities. I think it's a great point. Steelers at Cardinals, gross. <laughs> just uh sounds I mean, about right <laughs> bros there's the you got duck hodges benny snell is in play if connor 
doesn't come back. And also if Connor, we don't even know if he's going to here. I have a question. If you have James Connor and he is active for Sunday, are you even, and we know the bigness, the stakes of week 14, are you even messing with yep. him? You are. Yeah. Because of the matchup. Because of the matchup. And I think the way the Steelers want to play right now, especially with Duck Hodges there, which is that it's probably the same way they wanted to play with Mason Rudolph, but Mason Rudolph is so bad that they can't really execute like a safe, secure, take your chances passing game that's built on a power running offense. We've seen them do that now two weeks in a row with, with Snell dog. Uh, but I, like, I think Connor obviously brings more juice to the equation than Benny How Snell dare does. You? Oh, How dare you. Liz, you can like Benny Snell all you want, but you have to admit that James Connor is a better player. Sure. I also don't know. Uh, my reservation is you have a player with an obvious issue, cannot stay healthy, cannot stay on the field for four quarters. If we know this, the opposing defense, and certainly their DC knows this, and even if the Cardinals run defense is not particularly good, you're putting a player with a known vulnerability on the field. You mean to tell me that that the opposing team is not going to attack that? Fair. So if that's the case... How many big play action shots are we getting to James Washington, who is $15 in daily fantasy? Despite... I love James Washington this week. Yeah, me too. I think he's fantastic. Um, Seattle at the Rams. Ugh, I don't care. Well, let's talk about your Rams. Let's um, talk about Tyler Higby. Sure. Let's talk about Tyler Higby. Let's talk about. <laughs> she's, she's exasperated as she's saying it, folks. I, I don't know what to do about this team. Anyway, um,. I'm just staring into the abyss. Now now my brain is like going uh, into a bunch of different – take it away, Matt. Okay. Well, oh. I think that I like what I see out of Todd Gurley right now. Sean McVay – I feel a little bit bad for Sean McVay in this regard because I know he said today that a reporter asked him, what's been the reason for the uptick in Todd Gurley's usage? And he said, I'm not being an idiot anymore, which – Sean, you don't need to do this to yourself. We all know. Why? That's self-aware. I like no, that. see, I, but I don't know that it's true. I, I get it. Like, and he, it's good that he wants to take the fall and all that. But like, I, we all know that Todd Gurley is, he had an injury concern. Like if he's, it, I think he's taken the L on the fact that the front office gave all this money to this running back with a bad knee. And now he's got to like kind of save him, but also make sure he gets, it's a tough, I think it's just a tough spot for Sean McVay to be in. But nevertheless, Gurley showed really good last week. I thought he ran hot. I thought he ran with power. Um, I think the fact they've transitioned to a more man blocking power offensive line is good for Gurley. And I think that's good for the entire offense. Like if you look at just the last, like each of the last two of the last three weeks, this offense has been pretty good with the obvious nightmare of, with Baltimore sandwiched in it, but you could say they just ran into a buzzsaw. I'm not saying that the Rams are back to 2017-2018, but I think we could see a lot a lot better play from this offense down the stretch than we saw early in the year. And this is a good matchup against Seattle. I think you're being generous. I mean, I can't get the, vis- the visage of that um, Bears game out of my head. I do think you're right about Todd Gurley, and we have mentioned that over the past few weeks that he's looked more explosive you've mentioned the change in scheme and I think that that's right and the uh Seahawks run defense is middle of the road and beatable um let's talk quickly about Chris Carson and Rashad Penny because heading into last week there were obviously a lot of questions about Carson's fumbling issues and would Penny who showed out quite well resume or take over the the RB1 role and in fact I think you and I were both on the same page being like what are you talking about no that's not gonna happen now Penny did find the end zone twice once through the air and once on the ground but Chris Carson in terms of volume still was the man toting the ball 23 times for over 102 yards and a score. He wasn't 
used as much in the passing game. He only had two targets to Penny's five. Penny did catch four of those balls for 33 yards. So we are seeing more for Penny, but it doesn't mean that Chris Carson isn't going to remain the RB1. Yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about Chris Carson at all. Like, still got a ton of work. Not concerned in the slightest. But Penny obviously is now in play, too, I think. I mean, I Mm -hmm. think you could use both of these backs. You're not expecting what you got on Monday night, but you are expecting something good. Absolutely. Giants at Eagles. I mean, I'm already excited about Evan Ingram (sighs) and Eli Manning. That much is obvious. You're just going to sit there and shake your head and kiss me. Who do you like better in this game, Miles Sanders or Saquon Barkley? That's a good question. It's a good question. I'm still going to lean. Uh, I am going to lean towards Saquon Barkley still. I'm going to go with Sanders. Between the healthy weapons in New York, taking away maybe some passing volume, whatever, he hasn't been all that efficient anyways this year. Uh, with Dust Boy uh, in command behind uh, center for New York, don't love that. And Sanders has been getting workhorse volume, uh, in, especially in terms of snaps and everything like that. And the Giants, we know, are a hideous defense, especially compared to what Philadelphia brings to the table from a run defense uh, perspective. It makes complete sense. This is the – your argument is the more cogent. My reservation – honestly, it's about Saquon's health. Like if Saquon was yeah. see, week one Saquon, I'm taking Saquon. And I'm still – because I don't know enough about – he. We, we don't think he's healthy, right? Like we think he's still working through this ankle issue and that's why he's not been as efficient or explosive. But – I'm if he I'm I'm gonna be optimistic about him being healthy and choose him, but I think that Matt is probably right, and I am being a, a little bit riverboat Ronnie. There's my eulogy to him. All right, RIP. Um, <laughs> DFS Matt, you like James Washington, Ian Thomas, I assume because uh, Greg Olson is banged up. He's in the protocol. If Greg Olson doesn't play, then I think Ian Thomas at ten bucks really opens up a lot for you. I mean, he has. Thomas has barely done anything all year, but we saw him produce a decent amount at times against uh, last year when Olsen was out. And this is obviously a good spot against Atlanta. Yeah, but Thomas has only drawn a total of four targets to Kyle Allen under center. That's my biggest reservation, but... I, I I hear you that there's a we're we're throwing darts and then you mentioned Darwin Thompson as well. Yep. I like Ryan Fitzpatrick at twenty three bucks as my quarterback and I don't mind the stack with Devonte Parker. I did it in the article we posted. Um, I, I used Devonte Parker last week and he was seventeen bucks. Now he's twenty dollars at running back. I am surprised that Melvin Gordon is only twenty three dollars. That is an affordable affordable um, option as well. And then Zach Pascal, who we both talked up and agree is a scary but solid play. He is sixteen dollars in DFS this week. Love it. We'll be back on Sunday night for our week 14 recap. You can follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I'm at Liz Loza underscore FF. And that is at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. We're out.